Admiral Showalter. We're picking up a contact bearing 290 on a direct intercept course. IFF has registered as the Bountiful Harvest. Tell them to adjust their heading. Bountiful Harvest, Bountiful Harvest. This is the UEES Gemini. We've noticed you're on a collision course with us. Suggest you change your heading to 10 degrees spinward. Over. Gemini, this is the harvest uh, received. Uh, we've also noticed that you're on a collision course with us. However, we would recommend that you change your heading 10 degrees spinward. Over. Uh, uh, harvest, G- Gemini, negative, negative. We suggest you change your heading 10 degrees. Over. Gemini Harvest, I'm frightfully sorry, old boy, but we just can't do that. Uh, we suggest you change your heading 10 degrees west. Over. Lieutenant, is there a problem? Uh, they're refusing to move, sir. Bountiful Harvest, this is the UEES Gemini Actual. Son, we're the biggest ship in the United Earth fleet. I've got five class three, six class five, and four class two weapons, better known as five missile pods, six man turrets, and four actuated guns, and the shield with a max rating of celery. On top of that, I've got two squadrons of F7A Hornets, ready and able to either shoo you out of my way or reduce you to atoms trying. So I say again, for the last time, adjust your heading 10 degrees spinward. Over. Uh, Gemini Harvest, uh, gosh, um, well, we really can't compete with your firepower there. We we have no shields and certainly no fighter squadrons. Uh, We're just a three million ton mobile asteroid mining complex, so uh, this one really is your call, sir. Um, over and out. Helm, adjust heading. 10 degrees spinward. My portside thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, and you're tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 22 and was recorded live on May 10th and made available for download on May 13th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff. And I'm Lennon. What do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we talk about the next great space race. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's been happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest in-universe fiction, 10 for the Chairman, episode 19, Wingman's Hangar, episode 68, Hangar Patch 11.2, and the continuation of the next great starship. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we cover the updated ship lineup revealed by CIG, and finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in in the conversation. Sits and Sivs are always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. And we are especially looking for an audio engineer to come and join the team here and assist with our weekly shows. So if you've got the creative itch that needs scratching, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email with your experience and what you'd like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K. Please remember that all positions here at Party One Productions are voluntary. This is a labor of love, but we do look great on a CV or a resume. And that takes care of all the housekeeping, so let's get on with the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? 
In the Star Citizen universe, it's Robert Space Industries that makes the dream of private space flight a reality. In this universe, that hasn't been sorted out yet, but there are a bunch of people trying. The most widely known private space endeavor, SpaceX, recently made headlines when it filed suit against the U.S. Department of Defense. Elon Musk, billionaire philanthropist, playboy genius, has demanded that his company get a piece of the lucrative super-secret squirrel military payload market. While the lawyers do their bit, the company is gearing up to launch its first manned flight of the Falcon 9 Dragon capsule combo in 2015. Uh, hopefully, after that point, we won't be holding to the Russians to get a lift to the International Space Station. Orbital Sciences, sometimes considered the ugly stepsister of the private launch family, recently landed herself a Prince Charming. ATK, the defense contractor, rocket builder, and, I am not picking this up, hunting gear manufacturer, has spent $5 billion, yes, with a B, billion, to merge with this scrappy young space startup started in 1982. Yes, 1982. This company is older than Lennon. I'm still the youngest one here. Yes. You are. You are. And finally, speaking of eccentric Britishers, Virgin Galactic Spaceship 2 is gearing up for another round of tests, tentatively scheduled for this summer. The company's chief hairstyle officer, Richard Branson, has promised to deliver space tourism to the people. The people that can pony up $250,000 per trip. That's a round trip, I hope. Despite not having a functional ship or permission from the FAA to run a commercial spaceflight business, they've got deposits from 600 future suborbital astronauts. Refundable deposits, I hope. So uh, who's booked their trip? Lennon, you got your trip booked on the Virgin Galactic? You're, you guys are tight, right? You and Branson, yeah, you're both I like mean, God Save the Queen exactly. subjects, right? He, he came around for yeah. lunch the other day, and he said to me, uh, he said, you know what? You should really get on this flight. And I was like, gee, Richard, I just don't have the $250,000 lying around. And he said, that's all right. You're part of Guard Frequency. We'll just send you on it for free. And I was like, cool. And uh, and then I woke up. I was kind of having that same dream, too. It's like, yeah, Richard, me and my buddies from Guard Frequency will be more than happy to report from space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Who wouldn't we, want we, to do that? All right. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach. Check your screen. Call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for May 10th, 2014, 43,541,000 chugging along at about 300,000 a week. Just over 446,000 registered users, up another 3K, just like the last week. And I'll give you guys three guesses as to the number of alpha slots that are left. This is time's up. It's uh, still zero. But you can still get your module passes for five bucks. Just so you got that going for you, which is nice. Well, there's no new letter from the chairman, but we do have Delay Fluff issue two. Uh, I, I, I mean, uh, Arena Commander weekly report number two. This week's report gives us an update on the status of the dogfighting module so that I can stop asking the question every single week. Chris says that he knows we're all eagerly awaiting the dogfighting module and they're very eager to give it to us, and that we can expect the dogfighting module to be rolled out towards the end of the month. Initially, everyone's going to be given Vandal Horde mode that we can play offline against the AI, and gradually multiplayer access will be rolled out to everyone, just as long as the system holds up. At the moment, the number of concurrent players that the system will be able to handle is a little bit of an unknown, and it's something that CIG will be monitoring closely. For the first major release, they're taking it slow and cautiously. 
Now, in this article, there was also another line that Chris put in there, and he says, Remember that Arena Commander we are launching is much more akin to a full game. Its feature set is more in line to an action arena combat game like World of Tanks. And to do that for the sheer number of backers that Star Citizen has itself is a challenge. Well, this is where I'm going to get on my soapbox for a little bit and just... Nope, hang on, hang on, hang on. I got it over here. Hang on. There you are, Lennon. Here's your soapbox. Thanks. (coughs) Is this this thing on? Excellent. The thing is, CIG, as far as I'm concerned, seem to be misunderstanding something fundamental, and that is their current audience. When you look at the beginnings of it, CIG had an idea for a game and they launched a Kickstarter. Knowing that it wasn't going to be complete without more money, they then opened Alpha Access in exchange for money because they didn't want to disappoint their intended audience with an unfinished product due to lack of funds. So the people with money paid them, And so now they're attempting to create a finished product, believing that they still have the same audience. And what I think they failed to realize is that the original audience didn't back. Those that wanted a polished game just didn't hand their money over. And those that wanted to see a broken game and take part in the alpha, they backed. They're expecting bugs, missing textures, missile lockings onto the wrong target, server crashing, and a whole heap of other broken bits and pieces. And with CIG almost refusing to release anything but a completed game, I think they're heading straight towards disappointment with their current audience. We're the alpha audience, and we want to experience something broken and then experience the fixed version, and know that we helped create that. Heck, we paid good money to experience this. And even if the fixes are already being working on before it's released, for us alpha testers, generally even the illusion is enough. I mean, I can remember back when I took part in the Minecraft alpha, there were times where you would hit a leaf block with your axe and the whole game client would disconnect. This is the sort of stuff that we're paying for, is to experience the pain and the anguish that comes with an early alpha. And I just think that a lot of people who are awaiting the alpha are just going to be disappointed to find that everything just works. Now, I'm not saying that we're not going to see any changes to the dogfighting module. As feedback is received, they will generally tweak things here and there. But I would be surprised if it was anything more than just minor tweaks. And I largely think that what we've got as Arena Commander is what's going to be the end product in the Persistent Universe. That's the end of my soapbox session. Um... Now that I've spoken for a bit. I'll, I'll put it away. Thank you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, God. Wait for me to get off of it first. Jeez. Oh, sorry. Okay. That's just generally my two cents on the whole alpha thing, but I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Yeah. Here, here. Signed. Yeah. Signed me. Agree. Yeah, I agree. I think at some point, the sheer amount of money and the amount of press and the role model, let's call them that, the role model status that Star Citizen and Chris Roberts have sort of acquired as, as the, the Kickstarter reigning champion, I think that has changed their focus a little bit. They're no longer just making the best damn space sim ever, but they're also trying to prove a video game publishing model for the 21st century. I think they could step back a little bit and try to stay with just the, we're just going to make a video game. They could do that, I think, and probably let the great weight of responsibility just fall off their shoulders. That's the impression I get. They're taking this pretty seriously, maybe more seriously than they should. So, 10 for the Chairman, episode 19 was released where Chris takes questions from the subscribers and gives us answers we've all been longing to hear. 19, hmm, he's behind us by a couple episodes. This week, we hear that our ship names will be visible in a decal on the outside of our ship. And if you find a derelict ship in space while exploring, you'll be able to dock and explore it. But that doesn't mean the occupants will be friendly. There may be some alien creatures on these ships, and they may attack you. We won't be able to modify the torpedo systems ourselves, and we'll have to purchase the right missile for the right job. Most intriguing, Chris 
actually takes on the idea under consideration by a subscriber. And we'll look at introducing a cleanliness state. So if you want to look like an unwashed, dirty space pirate that you've always wanted to be, then it should be possible, proving once again that Star Citizen really does cater to all your space gaming needs and desires. There are many more questions answered, but we brought you what we felt were the most interesting in the bunch. Be sure to check out episode 19 over at RSI website or by visiting the links in our show notes. And then this week's Galactic Guide. Hey, uh, hey guys, hang on. I'm getting some interference in the live stream. Hang on. Let me, let me, let me try to get it now. Well, yo ho ho, there's a place that I know where the slams all clean and the wenches glow. Yo ho ho, it's a ruin and I'll go. Mark my jump point off at Pyro. Arr! Yo ho ho, there's a place that I know. Yo ho ho. Oh, well, okay. Well, uh, got it cleared up, but uh, that was a well timed interruption, I suppose. I was just about to tell everybody about Pyro. Yeah, that voice sounded really familiar. That guy, he, one of he's he basically a stalker of the show. Right. And we have some fans, and they're just a little, sometimes, some are a little too enthusiastic. A little too enthusiastic. Well, you know, fans are short for fanatics. I appreciate a good fanatic every once in a while, as long as they're well-intended. So, we're not sure about this guy's intentions. Sounds rough. Well, as you've just heard, Pyro is the beating heart of piracy in the verse. This entry into the Galactic Guide tells us what the old sea dogs can expect from this wretched hive of scum and villainy. Six planets make up the Pyro system, and the most interesting of which being Pyro 6 and Ruin Station, an old terraforming platform that now houses the system's only inhabitants. To quote the guide, Make no mistake, Ruin Station is the home of unrepentant pirates and no one else. It is not suitable for tourism, regular trade, or even experienced bounty hunters seeking the thrill of combat. Pirates that do crew the station are the best of the best, constantly ready to stab each other in the back for a bigger piece of the action. Gun combat on Ruin Station is so common that shop owners have actually installed a series of armored doors so that when fights erupt, local shops and facilities automatically seal themselves off. Ruin Station also houses a sequence of former research labs converted into drug factories and, no questions asked, medical treatment facilities. Be sure to check out the Galactic Guide over on the Robert Space Industries website or through the links in our show notes. Episode 68 of Wingman's Hangar was released, along with a slew of forum feedback, but before we get to that, we want to tell you about one particular new subscriber benefit. Anyone who has a subscription to Star Citizen will be getting a test pilot badge. This badge will allow subscribers to fly any of the five base ships, that's the Aurora, 300i, Hornet, Freelancer, and Connie, for one day each month. Imperators, the people who pay $20 a month for a subscription, will have access to an advanced test pilot badge, letting them fly any ship in the game for just one day. This caused a lot of forum rage and controversy over whether this feature will be permanent, so Ben Lesnick stepped in to clear things up, saying that none of these rewards give you additional ships in the Persistent Universe or special access to ships after the dogfighting module. No ships are given to subscribers to keep. Subscriptions are in no way limited to a select core of people as after all, anyone who wants one can just purchase a subscription at any time. Additionally, none of this is new information. These perks have been promised to subscribers and posted in the com link and advertised on the subscription page for at least the past three months. So if anybody was curious, hopefully that's cleared everything up for you. From forum feedback, we learn that hangers in the game won't be able to be attacked. So when you log off, all your ships will be safe. Black market alien tech is still under discussion, but they have to get over one major hurdle, and that is what's the point of buying a piece of alien tech if nobody knows what it does and is therefore completely useless. 
The FPS module is confirmed that it will have a cover mechanic, and from Rob's answer to a video question, we learn that the Caterpillar's neck will be modular, so there will be a variety of arrangements for your ship, but you won't be able to make it crazy long. Two more pieces of in-universe fiction have been released. First up is the continuation of the first run, the Sori Lyrex delivery. Where things are getting a little bit tense aboard Burnett's ship and Sori finds herself in a desperate situation. Secondly, we have Tracker, Weapon Safety, an in-universe look at systems in place to stop our guns from firing on other ships in friendly space. Make sure you check out both pieces over at the RSI website. The latest version of the organization system dropped into our laps this week. There's an extensive Q&A and an article over on the RSA website. We here at Guard Frequency understand the verse is a busy place, so we've condensed the information to everything you need to know. The new system lets you be a part of up to 10 organizations, and there are two levels of membership within an organization, main and affiliate. In your main organization, you can be given a role such as recruiting, branding, so on and so forth. Affiliates cannot. You can select your main organization in your personal account settings. You can also set the visibility of your organization membership to one of three visibility levels. Public, redacted, and hidden. Public displays, well, publicly. Everyone can see you're part of that organization. It shows up in your citizen dossier and you'll show up in the member list. If you select redacted, people can see that you're part of an organization, but they can't see which. And your citizen dossier will have a fancy redacted block where the organization would usually be listed. And in that organization's member list, you'll also show up as redacted. But just be aware, as the organization's offices can clearly see your name in their admin view. Finally, setting the visibility as hidden will make nothing show up in your citizen dossier. It's like you were never there. The organization's member list shows a blank card where you would be. Note that again, the org's officers can see you clearly in their admin view. You can change your visibility status at any time, but you can never set your main org as hidden. There is one other important change, the introduction of an exclusive org's flag, which can be set by its owners. This forces its members to be part of only this org. This means they should be advertising that they'll be policing their members to make sure it stays that way. Still, the system doesn't enforce anything, so it won't actively prevent the members from joining other orgs. It's entirely up to the owners to keep their members in line. And that's this week's community question. Are multiple orgs all they're cracked up to be? Do you feel there's something missing? Jeff, do you still want a friends list? No, I just want some friends. Well, there you have it. Let us know your thoughts by commenting on this episode's post over at the robertspaceindustries.com website or on our website, guardfrequency.com forward slash 022. Another hangar patch was released, and so Guard Frequency's resident grease monkey, Pariahs, got to work when, within hours, had the patch disassembled and laid bare for all to see. As the devs have been hard at work getting the dogfighting module ready, we can expect the hangar updates to be smaller in the interim, and this update is a good testament to this. A few hangar additions, but no mass updates of ship modules and animation. There is also a lot of discussion about this patch being approximately 4 gigs in size, but price under the hood analysis shows that it really isn't the case. It's pretty common for the patcher just to assume your entire installation is invalid and will actually force you to re-download the whole thing. Say after getting the meta era and repair option. And it turns out the actual data file differences between the builds are much smaller in size. So to be sure to check out his blog, Under the Bonnet, available exclusively at the Guard Frequency website. And if you're curious about changes made in the previous patches, you can also check out his entire back catalog, only on the Guard Frequency website. 
the Next Great Starship competition continues to march onwards, and we're given episode 12. Much like over the last few weeks, the devs see the progress made by the entrance as we're now in the final modeling stages. And so we're just going to give you our thoughts and go on a rundown of all the ships. First up is the entry from Shard Collective, otherwise known as the AX114 Boom Slang from Origin Jumpworks. Mark Skelton said that this is one of his favorites and it has a very helicopter feel to it. Jeff, what are your thoughts? I like this ship. I saw this in modeling and, and I'm going, wow, that is that is definitely a gunship. That says gunship all day long and nothing but gunship. Meh. Meh? And this is the stupidest name in the entire competition. Well, yeah, but it's not about the name, is it? It's about the ship. No, it's not. But it's like, you know, sometimes a cool name can, like, overcome things. The ship, to me, is meh. It's fine. It's okay. I'm not terribly impressed with it. But then you call it the boom slang, and I'm like, nah, I'm done. Okay, fair enough. For me, this was, I thought it was one of the, definitely one of the better ones this week. And much like Jeff, I really like this ship. It's got everything on it that I would expect to see on a gunship. Next up is the entry from One Bit Amoeba, otherwise known as the Phalanx AX. This ship was nowhere near as far along in the modeling stage as the rest. In fact, I thought for this stage of the competition, it was an incredibly poor job that they got this far and just didn't really present anything. The judges said that they couldn't tell from the video whether they would even be able to make it to the finish because it was just so low poly, no texture, and they couldn't really make anything out about it. I think this was by far the worst entry that I've seen this far. Tony, is there anything that can be saved from this? No, I haven't liked this ship from the very beginning. The sideways guns are still sideways. And yeah, I watched the video and you, this, yeah, it's just not ready for prime time. Moving on, the next entry is from Shimapan. This one, I believe, was called the Brutus. I didn't quite catch the name, though. The judges said that it had great detail, a very interesting design, but it was just let down by material choices, and I can definitely see what they mean there, some of the patterns that they used and the textures that they used on the ship. It looks like a granite countertop, yeah. like the leading edge of the wings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, I've yeah. not quite figured Odd. out what's going on with that. I wonder if they got the texture pack from Temple Run and just slapped it on there. I thought, you know what, that'll do. It's almost like a wing. <laughs> this one, Again, it's an interesting looking design, but it's not one of my favorites. I think the broken neck design on it isn't really something that I can get behind. Jeff, what do you think about this? Is there anything you particularly like? I don't have anything really negative to say about it, but I don't have anything really positive to say about it. I'm kind of mad. I'm, this ship is a meh ship. It's kind of like, eh, okay, if I see it in the verse... Yeah, I know what it is, but it's not going to throw me to make me run out and buy one. I mean, there's a lot of different pieces on here that would be cool for the total ship redesign, but that's about it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm meh on it. This shares the same problem with a lot of the other quote-unquote gunship designs is that it doesn't look down. Yeah. It's an upward-facing cockpit. It's fine. It probably would be better as a fast bomber, you know, a torpedo bomber. This ship, to me, looks like it would fit right in being just a ship that you always see in the background. Something flown by NPCs, not really a hero ship, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It's just one of those, yeah. it's, a, it's a very middle-of-the-road throwaway design, in my opinion. Meh. Meh. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sort of sums it all up so far. The next entry is from 3Dingo. Chris Roberts said that he would have liked to see the interior of the ship because they just showed the exterior. And 
the judges generally said that they are hugely far ahead on the exterior, but it is just a little bit too busy with all the various moving parts and little hatches and everything that keep opening. I have to agree with the judges on this one. There is so much going on on this ship. It's tiring just looking at the outside of it. It just makes you tired and you haven't even got inside yet. I'm not really a fan of animation for the sake of animation anyway, but Tony, what do you think about this one? Yeah, this has been one of my favorites from the beginning. I like it still, but, you know, you'll want to see progress every week. And it's like they've made progress, but they've burned too much progress on the outside. It's, it's like they've progressed too far on the outside. If they'd stopped for a second, stopped working on the outside for a little bit, gone inside, that would have been good. Or if they checked in with somebody like, can we stop on the outside now? Someone would have said, yes, you can stop on the outside. No more greebly bits, no more conduits, no more bulkhead panels, no more decals, just stop. You stop. <laughs> Enough. But it kind of went too far. And the shine's kind of worn off on this one for me a little bit. I mean, I still like the silhouette, still like the profile. The concept, I think, is still good, but it's just, it's too much. Well, uh, this series of ships, this has been my favorite so far. But I have to agree with that, that they need to maybe even take some stuff away if they can mm -hmm. without destroying some of it. It was a good ship to begin with, but it really hasn't progressed like I thought it would or hoped it would like other ships have. Yeah, and I mean, there's so many moving parts in the way that the whole of the hull kind of is paneled and overlaid. I almost expect it to like fold up on itself to be concertinaed or something, go into like a nice square shape. And this almost seems like the deployed mode. I'd it be is an accordion it. feel to yeah. it. Yeah. Now, when you say that, yeah. Collapse it's got the, the front end and the back end and the thing in the middle looks like it would squeeze exactly. in and out. Yeah, exactly. you're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And our final entry this week into the next great Starship competition is from Four Horsemen, their entry otherwise known as the Aegis Dynamics Redeemer. When I saw this, I thought it looked very nice and almost 100% complete. The judges were impressed with the interior, but Chris Roberts didn't like the exterior as much, saying that the whole design just doesn't scream a powerful gunship. And I've got to agree with him on that. This design is the one with the huge engines on the side of the wings that got scaled down massively. Staple guns. Yeah, staple guns. I was going to say like uh, hair straighteners. They kind of remind me of mm -hmm. that sort yeah. of thing. They're still there on the side. It still does scream Japanese anime Gundam. But the level of quality on this ship that they've gone into, regardless of whether it's going to be the next great gunship or not, it is, and the judges agreed, a AAA level of detail and polish and shine. And they said that they felt they could almost take this and just put it straight into the game. And I have to agree, the exterior is modeled beautifully. The interior is just oh, amazing. One of the best interiors I've seen on any of the next great starships. If it wasn't for the fact that this ship has to be purposed as a gunship, this would definitely get my vote. I might not fly it myself, but it's definitely a really, really high-quality fan-created ship, and I think it really sets the bar of what we should be expecting from this competition. I know that you guys, this wasn't one of your favorites either. Jeff, tell us what you think. It's still a fighter. I'm sorry. This is not a gunship. It doesn't scream, I'm badass and I'm dropping Marines, and you ain't going to say no. It just doesn't say that. You know what we need to do? This is what we need to do. We need to take Cryo's concept of the modular wing-mounted pods. We need to take that concept and then take his Polaris middle and make this thing the Polaris middle from the Aegis company. Let that Polaris thing be the RSI modular ship and let this thing be the Aegis modular ship. Mm. So you're right. It's not a gunship. I agree with you 100%. But between this and Team Cryo's entry, 
this is another class of ships that needs to be put into the game at some point with the detachable things on the side. So put some normal-sized engines on the tail end of this thing somewhere and that kind of thing and make this thing the Aegis entry into the modular spaceship design of, of interstellar craft. Because I love the profile. I don't love the engines. I love the profile of the center ship. I love the design. Everything was very well thought out. It just looks sleek and deadly like a shark, but it does not look like it's going to drop a squad of Marines on me. Okay, well, the judges voted, and they kind of agreed along the same lines as us there. Shard Collective went through along with Shimapan, which meant that one bit amoeba, three dingo, and four horsemen have been relegated, and they are out of the competition, but they are in the save, which is where the community get to vote on which teams they would like to go back into the competition. Now, you only get one vote, and voting is currently open, and you can pick from Team Dry Dry, Cryo, Skyguard, three dingo, one bit amoeba and four horsemen two teams will be saved so it's up to you to get your favorite team back into the competition gents which teams are you going to vote back in uh i'm gonna i'm gonna keep mine a little private i was a little bit torn between three dingo and try try but it looked to me like three dingo was having some personnel issues because only two of the three guys were in the video this week and they alluded to bad times happening I eventually sort of went with Try Try. I actually voted Team Try Try as well, despite the fact I don't particularly uh-huh. like the Silverback. I think when you take into account the competition, and it is supposed to be a gunship, I think that out of them, Cryo, Skyguard, Three Dingo, One Bit Amoeba, and Four Horsemen, I think they're the closest to actually fulfilling the brief that was set, and so yeah. I opted to put them back into the competition. The finale is coming up soon, so we will find out what happens. And we've still got two tickets to give away to that finale, so if you're going to be in the LA area and want to attend the final episode of The Next Great Starship on June the 7th, leave us a comment in our show notes on the RSI website. We'll have uh, links in our show notes on our website to get you to that post. Just say something to the effect of, send me to the show, guys. Uh, Let me know if you want the tickets. If we get multiple entries, we'll have a drawing, and the winner will be announced before the show, June 7th. Jeff, you're our uh, resident space sim expert, aren't you? I am, or at least I Excellent. think I am. Well, that's what we pay you for. So We're billing you as that, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that this week the SciTech P52 is on massdrop.com, which is a website that's sort of do a reverse auction where it's all, it starts out at a high price, and the more people that say they'll buy it, the price gets lower and lower until they run out? Well, it's funny you should say that because I just purchased my X52. Now, I didn't get the Pro. I got the uh, original X52. But don't you already have a Warthog? I do. I have an idea in mind, so... You have an idea. You have an idea? Yes, yes. Multiple joysticks, one for piloting and one for turret control. Wow. You're taking this seriously. Yeah. I'm not taking it seriously. It's the best damn space sim ever. Well, God, next thing you're going to start a podcast or something. Yeah. As you're taking it so seriously, you must be the guy that would know. Where the f*** is the dogfighting module? Uh, It's supposed to be out here at the end of the month. That is true. Actually, Chris did say, I should really listen to the news that I read. Just listen to me. I'll, I'll tell you the straight and narrow. <laughs> and you always tell me when I'm wrong. So thank you for that, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, this is our little <laughs> section of the show where we like to tell you what we've been up to to pass the time waiting for the dogfighting module to appear. This week, I've got to blame a guy who I know is listening to us live right now. His name is Grim Craig, and he sent me a copy of a game called Space Engineers. For those of you who haven't seen Space Engineers, it's basically Minecraft in space with a bit of dogfighting on the side. And holy crap, it's addictive. I think I started today at about oh, 
about 6 p.m. And it was only when I looked up to check the time, you know, thought I was getting a bit hungry, that I realized I've got a show to do in half an hour. Great little space building game. If you guys are a fan of Minecraft or Terraria or that sort of thing, you should really check out Space Engineers. It's good fun. Tony, what have you been up to? Saving prairie chickens again? Yes, I have been saving prairie chickens left and right. I am uh, setting myself up to be the prairie chicken king. That's my intention. But actually, my schedule will clear up a little bit next week so that I might actually get home before 9 o'clock. I might have time to play some games next week. We'll see. Well, I took advantage of the STO ship buy and I bought my Dyson package for quite a significant uh, less than what it was originally going for. So I've been setting up my ships and testing them out. Okay, well, that's the latest news from CIG done. So let's get caught up on ship types with this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. Hello, Sits and Sivs, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets. This is a section of the show where we like to delve into the mechanics of Star Citizen and give you all of the gory details from the inside out. Fair warning, the game is still in active development, so all the information that we give is subject to change. For those of you who were paying attention, you may realise we missed out the news on the updated ship stats, and that's because we wanted to give you a brief but complete rundown of all the new ships in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. So... There are seven new ship types that have been revealed from our regular lineup of manufacturers, one from the Vandal and two from the Xi'an. These are the 890 Jump from Origin Jumpworks, the Carrick and F8 Lightning from Anvil Aerospace, the Herald from Drake Interplanetary, the Hull C from Misk, the Surveyor from Aegis Dynamics, and the Orion from RSI. The Vandalcraft is the Ankar, and the Xi'an bring us the Kiri Kartu and the Volpe. The Origin 890 Jump is an interstellar super yacht with exquisite styling and an array of high-quality upgrade options. Travel the stars in style with multiple decks, high-visibility windows, and a small boat bay. Whether you're outfitting it to explore new worlds or to take a pleasure cruise through Terra, the 890 Jump is the epitome of luxury, class, and refinement. The Anvil Carrick has been the vanguard of every UEE exploration effort in recent years, featuring reinforced fuel tanks for long-duration flight, a highly advanced jump drive array, and a dedicated computer core room that allows it to put the maximum processing power into jump charting operations. Designed as the next-generation super space superiority fighter, particularly with fighting the Vandal in mind, the F-8 Lightning is more nimble, more heavily armed fighter craft than its F-7 predecessor. Discarding the second turret for a more fixed weaponry, the Lightning is designed to take out any target that is in front of it. The Drake Herald is a small armored ship designed to safely get that information that you so desire from point A to point B. Featuring a powerful central engine, advanced encryption software, and an armored computer core, it's unique among personal spacecraft in that it's designed to be easily cleaned when in danger of capture. The Hull C from MISC has recently become the favorite for criminals who modify their ships with advanced sensor shadow technology, quick decompress holds, and a variety of hidden compartments without modifying the ship's body so it will still appear to onlookers as though it's a standard everyday transport. The RSI Orion mining ship lets individuals take over the process formerly controlled by mega corporations. The Orion's features include high-grade deterrent-mounted tractor beam arrays, durable exterior accessible saddlebags for mineral storage, and a cabin designed by the team that brought you the Aurora and the Constellation. 
The Surveyor is an industrial-quality salvage ship, equipped with a reinforced cargo bay, a long-range jump drive, and launch pods for unmanned drones. The Surveyor is an ideal ship for taking advantage of deep space wrecks. Tractor beams, floodlights, scanner options, and docking ports round out the tool chest on this capable utilitarian spacecraft. The Ankar is the Vandal Horde's medium bomber. And that's it. That's all we know. Next. The Car 2 is the light attack craft of the Xi'an military. It doesn't have a traditional main thruster, instead featuring an array of maneuvering thrusters on articulated rigs. And this design allows for increased agility, making them the bane of UEE pilots. And finally, with a deadly combination of speed and power, this Xi'an Volpair military ship is a dual-piloted vertical bomber. The Volper is still in common usage in the Xi'an military, even outnumbering their classic fighters, making them a deterrent in their own right. They have Gimped versions of these models that they have sold to the public. So that's the lineup so far. Any of those particularly take your fancy, Tony? We've covered these on Nuggets before when we were talking about the stretch goal ships. What's new about it is they have the stats on them now. I like the 890 jump still. That was my sort of my favorite then. Still kind of my favorite now, mostly because it compares nicely to the Constellation, which is my favorite on the, what we have so far. One thing that kind of bothers me, though, is that the expansion slots, the upgrade slots, is no longer part of the stat page. And so I can't tell, you know, if the 890 is going to be as upgradable as the Constellation. Heck, I can't even tell if the Constellation is going to be upgradable anymore because they've taken that line out. And that bothers me some. Well, I think that's only because they're not sure yet. I think they're redoing the whole upgrade stuff. I'm hoping. But I have to agree with you. I have two favorite ships in here. That's the F-8 and the 890 Jump. I'm really quite curious as to how the Herald is going to work as an information gatherer from point A to point B, especially when we know that you can only get information from system to system by sending it through a jump point. And I think that's going to lend itself to a really unique game mechanic. And also the vertical bomber, the Volper, sounds quite interesting, especially being dual piloted. So yeah, I mean, whilst I might not fly any of these myself, I'm still really curious to see how they will look. I do like the 890. They're introducing the Class 9 hardpoints, which are automated defense systems. Oh. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Bit like a bit like Stowe's. God, I hope so. That'll be good. I may melt my Connie. As long as the upgrade stuff is compatible, once I get that all figured out, I may melt my Connie and go get an 890, because that, that right there is very interesting to me. I think yeah, I could trade in, easily trade in my Connie for an 890. Well, that just shows that we're the epitome of luxury class and refinement, Jeff. Well, I, I think that Guard Frequency, being a search and rescue organization, should always fly in the finest available. I believe you're correct, sir. I believe you are correct. You know, the 890 jump as a search and rescue craft is like, you know, yeah, all your money is going to be provided better ambulances, more equipment, and better looking drivers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's not much you can do about the looks of the drivers. At least when they're towing your half-dead ass back to space, you'll have a very nice comfy leather chair for your torso to sit in. It'll be great. <laughs> and separate compartments that are for your, legs. for your legs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a good job that RSI put all of this out as we were actually running out of options for our ship polls. So, bolstered with this new line of ships, we're going to give you the chance to pick the topic for next week's Nuggets for Nuggets. So, head over to this week's show page at guardfrequency.com forward slash 022 and vote for the ship that you would like us to talk about next. We're not going to be including the Vandor Anchor for what should really be obvious reasons, but we will be putting in the Banu Merchantman and the Vandal Scythe that haven't been part of previous polls. So, be sure to cast your vote on the Guard Frequency website but until then, let's have a chat with you all as we tune into the feedback loop. 
Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Thanks to our listeners, old and new, and everyone who shares our podcasts and posts with others. Be sure to retweet and like and talk with us whenever you can, guys. From our share post at guardfrequency.com, Sean Newboy says, One, I am never wrong. Uh, wrong. wrong. Yep. Two, salvage only is fine with me. That should be your next contest. A free case of OT bars. Yum. Wonderful show. Three, my favourite next great starship this week was Talon Corp's Shadow Mantis, with Skyguards being my close second. I just can't get into the look of the Infinite Monkey designs. Yeah, looking back over them, I kind of agree with you on that one. Fruity OD bars! He's right about the Infinite Monkey, and he's right about Talon Corp. <laughs> and there's Jeff. <laughs> and he's right about Fruity OD bars. They are delicious, they're good and good for you. Uh, and he's also correct that it was a wonderful yeah. show. He's it's always he's, a wonderful show. He's wrong about Salvage only being fine. And totally wrong. he's wrong about being wrong, so... So he's mostly right. Right. Well, two uh, wrongs... He's been, he was mostly right. Two wrongs time. don't make a right, Tony. No, no, no. I mean, if you, if you don't count the two wrongs that he has this week, even if they don't make a right, he still, like, has four rights to his two wrongs. And so he's still more right than wrong. Grim Craig says, Is fuel going to be a pain in my arse? I'm wondering if I'll be in constant battle to earn money to buy fuel and buy ammo to earn money to buy fuel, etc., etc. Shiv replied, Des has said that your day-to-day costs shouldn't be hard to earn, that a simple cargo run or such should cover your basics. The intent is not to have a huge pile of work to do just to get by. And from Twitter, we hear from Green Dragoon. He criticizes and says... Got a dingy on your ship namesake piece. The Avenger shares a name with the large centerline gun inside the A-10 Thunderbolt. Well, I replied back to him, Mr. Green Dragoon, sir, I refer you to our Nuggets for Nuggets piece on the Avenger when I refer to the GAU-1 Avenger cannon mounted on the front of the A-10 Warthog, which is one of my favorite airplanes of all time, the Thunderbolt II more officially designated thusly. So yes, the Avenger centerline gun does share that with the Avenger actual gun mounted on the on the Warthog, but we were just covering somebody's post on Imgur. He said the torpedo bomber was the airplane named for the Avenger police ship. The theme of that guy's post, that's the way it went. But yes, the Avenger cannon, much like the Avenger centerline mounted cannon on the, on the Avenger. Well, Ken from Chicago writes in to say, clearly this new segment should be called Where the F*** is My Dogfighting Module? Yeah, I I like that. Maybe we'll start using that from now on. I mean, we're going to have to change the name possibly by the end of the month, although the rate that they're going, November. So <laughs> we'll be good. When it's ready, when it's perfect. When it's perfect, when it's ready. When the server can handle everybody without crashing. Really. See, the thing is, I actually think that what's happened is it was just a huge misunderstanding because they said that they were hoping to release it in December. They never said December 2013. We just assumed that. Granted, it I was December at the right. time. Could be. Could be a giant misunderstanding. Coming to a December near you soon. And from Facebook, Elliot Tan, our illustrious producer, writes, Is it just me, or has Dan Gaisling been conspicuously absent from the last few the next great Starship episodes? And I must say that I hope that we had something to do with that. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that we had something to do with that. Can you? Can you almost can guarantee? Almost guarantee. Almost guarantee. Almost? You can almost guarantee I, it. I, I don't know. Again, I'm sure Dan Giesling is a fine gentleman and a wonderful human being, but the producers never had a clear idea of what he was supposed to do. That was apparent from the very beginning. It's better that they just quietly say goodbye to him, maybe bring him back for something else when they have a better idea for him to do stuff. So, how was the show this week? Entertaining and informative? 
Should Lennon quit his day job and sing shanties full-time? Have some constructive criticism? Have some deconstructive criticism? Have some postmodern criticism? Let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. And you can subscribe to us, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak and leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 22 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 23 on May 20th. Be sure to keep an eye out for our episodes over at guardfrequency.com or our post over at the Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can hit the contact form at the top of our website. All the details of all our contact methods will be in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come and join our team? If so, then send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K at guardfrequency.com. We are always on the lookout for talented individuals, and right now we're seeking an audio engineer to come and join us. So if you'd like to be a part of the best damn space sim podcast ever, then we would love to hear from you. If you've got that creative itch that needs scratching, we've got the creative cream that you can spread all over it. And if you're looking for a friendly wingman or two, check out our organization, Guard Frequency response at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guard freak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday night, join us live here at guardfrequency.com forward slash live 8 p.m. Central 2 a.m. Sunday Zulu or GMT, whatever you prefer. And don't forget, guys, we've got two tickets to give away to the finale of the next great starship in Los Angeles on June the 7th. And if you want to attend, just leave a post in our show notes saying, hey, guys, send me to the show. We're not paying for airfare. We're not paying for a hotel, but we have the tickets and we can give them to you. Just let us know over on our show post at the Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. We want to thank the entire team over at Guard Frequency and Priority One Productions. Thanks to our community manager, Jay Chivalry Bean, and artist, Simon Charlton Edwards. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we want to especially thank you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave an episode on this comment. No, you can't. <laughs> That's a totally leave an episode on our comment. <laughs> Feel free to record your own yeah, podcast. Do your own podcast. Leave an episode to a on this comment, <laughs> and uh, we might play it because it's going to be better than this. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on. Your feedback is an important part of what we do. <laughs> okay, now the cat is panicking at the thunderstorm and jumping over my desk into the windowsill on the other side of my desk. Elon Musk, billionaire philanthropist, philanthropist, that's a hard word to say. Orbital science is sometimes considered the ugly set. Go back to stripping. <laughs> that's the third. Go back to stripping. I'm going to go do that. Vulp, the Volper. Volper?
<clears throat> Fulpa. Uh, this you do you you if if you have talked to his Jian lately, you go ahead and pick the pronunciation you want to put in there. Zian, Zian, Zon, Zain, John, John, Z Z A Z. <laughs> I think you have to put a in there when you have the apostrophe. Oh, okay. This Zian is that better? Yeah, why not? Honestly, Jeff, we just don't care. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm trying to be <laughs> pick, a perfectionist pick a, and you pick don't a, care. Pick a pronunciation and run with okay. it. Well, I replied back to him, sir, Mr. Green Dragoon. Mr. Green Dragoon. Green Dragoon. If I'm going to do a mock insult voice, I should probably get his name right. Yeah. Okay. And most interest, interest, and most interesting, uh, <laughs> Why can't I say that word? This has caused a lot of forum rage and controversy over whether this will be a permanent peacher. A permanent peacher? Yes. Oh, I'd love some more permanent peaches. Mm. Do, do they put permanent peaches in Dr. Pepper? Uh, hang on, let me, let me check. Let me check. <laughs> oh, I'm tasting a lot of permanent peaches mm, in there. Permanent peaches. <coughs> Jeff's chair. Wow. Welcome, <laughs> Jeff's chair. We haven't had you for a while. Oh, I thought I put that in just as a permanent feature. Remember what Tony said about a name? Who names this ship? <laughs> a a phallic. This has this has nothing to do with <laughs> phallic shape. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa! Phalanx. Oh, yes, oh, sorry. Okay, phallic <laughs> means something else. <laughs> well, the British accent for that one. Welcome to Mebo with their ship, the nineteen-inch. My origin jump works. <laughs> yeah, this 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 okay, is the worst. It's getting a beep and it's getting cut from the show. <laughs>